Hello and welcome to the Jonathan Bell Show. This is a show documenting my journey after quitting my 9 to 5 job to pursue a career being a creative. Thank you for tuning in. What's up folks, Jonathan Bell here. Welcome to another episode of the Jonathan Bell Show. Have another segment up behind the mic and today I have Kat McKay on the phone. Kat, how are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. Now, we know each other from Twitter primarily. Well, I say primarily, but only <laughs> Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm surprised a lot of people don't use Twitter as much as, I mean, a lot of people use it, but a lot of people I know yeah. like refuse to use it for some whatever the heck reason, but hey, they're missing out. Right. Exactly. So Kat, can you tell everybody about yourself? Well, uh, I... I'm a library manager currently. That's my day job. Um, when I'm not playing a library manager during the daytime, I'm creating every other chance I get. I am started out as a fine art photographer and then switched to being a photojournalist right out of, uh, out of college. Decided to go to grad school for that because I decided I didn't want to be a starving artist. So I thought I'll be practical and be a photojournalist. And I did that for... Well, I still do freelance on the side right now, but picked up several newspaper jobs and continued on with that from probably, gosh, 97 to 2005. Oh, dang. And then went back to um, the creative side. And it's funny because, like, now uh, with my photography, it's the photojournalism and the art side have, like, blended, so... The photos are coming out like they're not the polished hyper reality, you know, like very, very pretty, beautiful work that a lot of artists do. They're more raw and like, you know, something someone's captured and they they look real, but, you know, they're yeah. not. <laughs> they've got the journalist twist to them. Oh, well, that's that's interesting. So you so photography is mainly your your creativity outlet. You know, I went through the whole art school, painting, printmaking, sculpture, that, the whole nine yards. Photography is what spoke to me most. But it's funny because now, like, I'm getting the urge to paint more again. And I kind of, I want to combine the two. I'm a huge fan of um, uh, Jean-Michel Basquiat. Love, love, love his stuff. And the more I look at that, I'm like, oh, I love this. I love how he did that, that, like, you know, abstract expressionism. I wish I could do that in photography or combine the two or... You know, that's like a seed that's been planted in my head. I'm waiting for it to grow and see what happens with it. I'm sure you'll have an epiphany one day of how it, how it works out. <laughs> well, it's funny because, like, I mean, I'm sure you know, like, you, you're you sitting there and you have, like, a million and one ideas that pop into your head. Like, I want to do this and I want to do that. And, like, I have notebook after notebook of all these, you know, projects I want to do, all these creative ideas. And I have to I sketch them out because I'm like, you know, the older I get, the more I forget things. <laughs> So like I gotta get it in a book now, and then I'll come back to it and be like, oh yeah, let's, I'm gonna work on this today. Yeah, yeah, so, it it totally makes sense. I keep a composition book on my desk all the time for when I have to jot something down or put it in my iPhone notes when I think of some random thought. Yeah, yeah, oh, comp books are great. I love comp books. There's something about them. I don't know. If it's, it's old school or what, but there's something about the look of comp books, just the look themselves. Yep. So speaking of your photojournalism, how 
when you first what year was that when you first got in that that you said that you first started doing that well i went to um i went to syracuse and i started shooting for the daily orange as soon as i you know within the first couple months there in class so i was shooting with them um and then you know occasionally getting random assignments uh, finished up there in 99 and then came back to Ohio and did a whole bunch of different stuff. Um, I thought I was going to go into like commercial photography and try you know, was an assistant for a while and then realized I didn't like to be the person cleaning up the studio. Right. <laughs> I needed to be behind the camera and, you know, ended up getting staff jobs at my local paper and then at a bigger one. And then from there, um, just freelance, but freelancing, it's, it's, you have to have a very good business mind to be a freelancer. You have to like really be on the ball and with it and like, you know, putting your stuff out there all the time. And I'm not of that mindset. I admire people who are, it's just, it, you know, they're phenomenal, but my brain doesn't just, it doesn't quite work that way. I don't know. And you were doing that until about 2005. Yeah. So, I mean, okay, so around 2008, 2009, I know in 2008, I think, was when I first signed up for my Instagram account, but I know, yeah. and it's 2000, what, 2019 now, and I think think around like maybe four or five years ago, it's when a lot of, a lot of uh, news outlets started using more and more photos from everyday people, quote unquote. So how, oh, yeah. so you getting yeah. out of it in 2005 until now. Do you feel like you kind of dodged a bullet with that or has it started affecting you even that early on in the early 2000s? Well, when I left in 2005, the newspaper I was working for was debating on the whole um, incorporating video. Now, right off the bat, when you're a photographer, you're doing still all the time, then you have to go into the video mindset. It's a different mindset. And, you know, they at that time in 2005 is when everything kind of started changing. So they want more video because I got to keep up with the clicks, you know, and there, it seemed like newspapers wanted to be TV stations. So they want video. So that, that started. And back then there wasn't so much as the citizen journalist happening. Um, I saw that like, I say two or three years later is when I started noticing it happening. Cause I always like, even though I wasn't, you know, as a staffer in the industry, I still kept my eye on the ball, so to speak. But, um, so the more you had your citizen journalists with their iPhones on, the more you saw a huge drop off of uh, staff papers or papers having staff photographers. Like the Chicago Sun laid off their entire staff of photographers and handed their reporters iPhones. And, you know, it just, it really changed things up. Um, from there, you know, you're talking about Instagram. They, now, if you notice when you're on Facebook or Twitter that you're seeing a lot of stock photos that are not of the event, they're just like a standard picture of, like, say, a police car flashing lights. It's a stock shot from, you know, Getty or whatever stock agency. And that's, they're not even at the event anymore capturing the picture. As long as they have some image, they're happy, which kind of, you know, it's you're seeing it coming more further and further away from recording what's happening. But there are, I mean, there are awesome photojournalists out there who are trying to capture everything and like, no matter how much 
the industry itself changes, you still have people interested in capturing the truth. Right. So, so with all these changes, is this one of the reasons why you wanted to get back into fine art? Well, actually, no. Believe it or not, like the t- I would have rolled with the technology. That's just how I am. But at that time um, in my life, it just I wasn't being fulfilled. And I noticed on my way to assignments, like I would, because landscape at that time was just prevalent for me. And when I started out as a photographer, I was leaning more towards, you know, like Ansel Adams, Dorothea Lange. I mean, this is like the early 90s, so they were big names and the, um, you know, photography icons that everyone loved. So I really loved landscape and segued from there. So on my way to assignments, so jumping forward here, on my way to assignments, I would like come across landscape shots that like, when you see a shot, like it just, like, it grabs you, you know, and it's this weird moment where like all the chaos and the buzzing and the voices in your head just stop and it's quiet and you see the shot and you're like, wow, that's it. So on my way to assignments, I'd start seeing these and I'd start capturing them and like, you know, ended up with like almost a whole nother landscape portfolio and I'm like, that's fulfilling me, you know, going on assignment and taking a picture of a kid who just got hit by a car, you know, that's not fulfilling me. And it was, it's a hard job, especially in the town I shot in, like, there's a lot of um, child crime that goes on that when you shoot it for a while, it just, it takes you down. I can't even imagine. Yeah. And there, there were like, um, Carol Guzzi, Oh my gosh, she's a three or four time Pulitzer winner. I know her, and she just, she's still out there banging away, and she shoots stuff that, like, I would have nightmares from. Dang. But you've got to be out there shooting it, you know? Yeah. And it, like, to me, like, I just, I had realized, like, as much as I would love to have been that photographer, that's just not me. So, like, creating whatever's in my head. I get, it kind of like calmed me down in a way. Like a, there's a weird, I don't know if you've experienced that when you like, you create your art, you have this weird Zen moment. Oh yeah. I, you, I, I know like, what you're talking you about. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like, and I think like there are photojournalists who have that moment when they're out there in the field and it's like an adrenaline rush, huge adrenaline rush when you're out there and you capture that moment. But the process to capturing something art wise you know, you're not like, it's not a tense thing happening. You know, when you're out in the field shooting assignment for an event, you know, like a protest or whatever, it's tense, man. I mean, it's scary tense. I think I just, you know, I was done. <laughs> I was done with that. I wanted to like, I don't know, like be the light. I wanted to show more positive stuff, which is kind of ironic because like a lot of the stuff I end up shooting is a little dark and twisted. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where it comes from, but it, you know, there it is. It's what popped in my head. So you are doing freelancing of that now while you're working mm-hmm. at the library. Is so you're you're mm-hmm. making money doing something that you actually want to do now. Uh, at the library or at, at with with, with, with your with your photography. No, that's why I'm working the library job. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've gotten like you know, I've gotten into shows in New York. Um, was in a small work show in Soho. 
gosh, four or five years ago, I think. I mean, don't quote me on that date because, you know, off the top of my head, I can't remember. There was, um, I got through several shows through See Me, See Dot Me, and when I was with them for a while on Long Island City, they did one show where they did it on the uh, Bolton board or billboard on Times Square. So I had photos up there. Oh, that's so I've, awesome. Like, gotten, yeah, I've gotten stuff into shows. And, you know, I've sold to some friends that, like I said, with the business wives, I'm not, I have no business acumen. So right now, I, like, I reach a goal, of, like, I want to finish this project. And then I have another project I want to do. Then, like, up a voice in my head's going, do you need to sell this, you fool? <laughs> <laughs> so, therefore, I acquired a day job to support the family and, you know, I can get understand the health insurance. That. So speaking of family, you are married and you have a child, correct? Yes. And on top yeah. of that, you have year old. eleven. Year. On top of that, you're trying to do this photography thing and your yeah. job. So how how is it that you use time management to your advantage? Um. Well, let's see. Weekends right now. When my daughter was younger, it was like I was shooting everything all the time. So and even now, like you know, from a photojournalism background, I carry my camera with me all the time so I never know what's going to pop up I could see so like on the way to work if I see something on the way home if I see something um but it's basically after you know after my hours are up at the library if I've got enough energy when I'm at home I'll either start like researching um I watch a lot of art documentaries it gets my you know my creativity pumped and I'll be on Twitter a lot throughout the day just to get you know to do art networking, but the actual project work, it's either in the evening or on the weekends. So I have my own, um, art and photography studio. So I'll head up there when I get a chance. Oh, nice. But a lot of it's just cerebral. A lot of my time's cerebral right now. And the studio time is like, it's dwindling. And I remember like people telling me, like, Oh man, it's great. When you're a student, you can be in the studio all the time. And I never comprehended what they were talking about until I started adulting, you know? <laughs> Yeah, it's and there was one uh, point where I had my studio at home, and that made it way easier. And I'm like thinking of going back to that. Putting it in an extra that, room I, in your house, it, like where it's like two in the morning, and you're like, "Oh, that's what I need to do." And you're like, "No, wait, I can't leave my family at two in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> go up to the studio." I mean, it, it is pretty awesome that you have that option, though. To uh, that you have that that space to shoot. Yeah, yeah, I'm very blessed in that way. I was very lucky to come across it. So, you know, somebody was just very telling me that. actually that is in Ohio that I should actually look into um, because recently I've been thinking about either I'm gonna just after I leave Montana here is just either a go van life around the United States and do photography or b mm-hmm. um, like find a place to live again until I get tired of it. Because I do right. miss, I do miss studio shooting with props and and everything. Because currently in this hotel room yeah. on this job contract, you know, I I came here in a van and I have to leave in a van. So I could either yeah. a buy a whole ton of stuff off of Amazon that I know I'm gonna have to throw away and fill up this hotel room. Like I already bought like it's you know studio right. lighting and backdrops in this hotel room I have in here. So I mean uh-huh. it's or I could b not do that and then just like go somewhere else because when i did have a place of my own before i started van lifing it was 
it was great to have, you know, a room full of props and your stuff and you could take it out and do things. But now, mm-hmm. you know, so it's 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 just finding that what direction I want to go with that. But anyway, back to yeah. the whole Ohio thing. Somebody was telling me on Instagram is like, you should look into Ohio because retail space and industrial space isn't really expensive out here. And this, this, this and that. And I was like, oh, OK, well, I guess that is an option to check out. Yeah, I'm I'm an hour north of Cincinnati. Like forty, it depends on you know how fast you drive and what part of Cincinnati. But there are like there is two or three like industrial spaces that had popped up on um, Craigslist. And that I was like, oh man, if I was in the city, I'd, I would totally because they were very industrial looking. And I don't know what it is about like you know wanting that look when you have a studio. But there's something about just that like old, old building look. Oh yeah, I totally hear you. It it, it yeah, it's yeah. like a really really puts you in the right mood or mindset to take photos. Yeah. Yeah. And there's there's um there's two spots in Cincinnati, um, Pendleton Art Center, and Essex Studios, and those are like two huge industrial buildings where the owners of the building have. Just, they're just renting out each room. So they rent out their rooms as art studio space. Now, they're more expensive than, say, you know, if you went and found, like, an abandoned, or not abandoned, but, you know, an industrial building where yeah. someone just has the building, doesn't want to do anything with it, but it wants to rent it out. Right. So they're, they're, they're more, but then you're surrounded by other artists, and they do, like, Friday, Final Friday walks and stuff like that. Oh, that's pretty so you cool. you can open your studio, yeah, and other people can come in and see what you're doing. And I toyed with that idea, but then again, it's like, then my studio would be an hour away. <laughs> and you definitely <laughs> like, can't just get up at two in the morning for that. No, no, no. No, that would be, that's a bad idea. Oh. That would be a lot of gas. Yeah. So what are some of the things that you want to try to get kind of accomplished heading into the next decade with your uh, photography? Well, I have... Um, I did one project and it was like an experiment with Flickr because at that time I had read this article on Olivia B who like that was discovered on Flickr. She was 16 and um, ended up like at 18. She had an Adidas account shooting for them because they liked her raw look. And I'm like, wow, you know, we were all shooting like that at 18, but you know, whatever. <laughs> so I was like, what is this Flickr thing? So um, I did this project called, at first, it was going to be, like, um, a full year. <laughs> okay, going back to the, the Olivia B thing. I, at that point, like, with Flickr, um, I wasn't an Instagram, but it seemed like anything anyone would shoot, like, you know, if it was different, it was great. And I was, like, thinking, man, you know, all that schooling I went through, and <laughs> people have had no schooling, and they're coming up, you know, becoming famous, and I'm, like, I could shoot pictures of my belly button, and people would be thinking it's great. And then I was like, oh, my God, I can shoot pictures of my belly button. <laughs> so that's what I did. And I did, um, I called it 80 Ways Around the Belly Button. Dang. And this was like four or five years ago. And I'm still getting notices from Flickr and like, you know, thousands of views and likes and favorites. And it was a challenge like every day coming home like, wow, how am I going to shoot my belly button in a weird, different way? I'll have to send you the link the flicker yeah because well you're so, probably gonna end up telling everybody about it now because now everybody oh, wants yeah, to yeah. everybody yeah. wants to know I what this is like, like my account is cat far but it's uh, k 
K-A-T-E-F-A-H-R-E-R-M-C-K-A-Y. My main name is really crazy. But at any rate, um, so my goal, one goal is to put that in a book. Do a photo book of the 80 ways around the belly button. Um, I have a photo project I started in 2005 when I left the paper called Rubbish. And it was like strange trash I kept seeing. And I still to this day see like trash and all Like there was a, um, you know, the pumpkin candy like Halloween pumpkin things you put candy in. Right. When you get trick-or-treating, there was a blue one. And it was like in the middle of this like dried up cornfield. So it was just like corn, you know, stubs. And it was just like in the middle of this field, nothing else around. But this creepy blue pumpkin. So I was like, oh, that's a great image. So like images like that will strike me and I'll capture them. So that's like an ongoing, life-going project. But, so I want to get the book done get the rubbish done i've got um a new project called shade land where it's a combination of um photos and a mystery so as you view the photos you know there's a mystery going on but i will not tell the story so each person's viewing comes up with a different you know oh this is what happened in this mystery or Hmm. next kind of like a twins peaks type of viewing experience. That's pretty interesting. So I want to get that finished. Like I, like I said, I got so many projects, but my goal goal, like within the next decade is just to get a, a one person show. That would be my like realistic, actual physical goal, you know, career wise. I'm sure that's so, trying to get a website together, you know, getting that together, get a portfolio, print portfolio together. I don't know if you've ever done like the photo festivals and done the portfolio reviews. I want to get another one of those under my belt. I have not. I yeah. Yeah. When I first picked up my camera, I I pretty much only started shooting myself. I mean, I tried to go like shoot other people, but I I really don't have the tolerance to deal with other people in like photography yeah, ways. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's hard. Yeah. And I learned that real quick. So. You know, one of the main reasons why I started shooting myself is because I couldn't rely on anybody else to, like, either show. And I'm one of those people, like, I'll give anybody a chance once, but mm-hmm. if after that, um, it's it's done. You know, that's kind of, like, right. where my standard is. So, like, uh, especially when, in Texas when I started shooting more because I had, I had just moved there, like, a year after I got my camera. I was trying to meet people and everything. And, you know, it's I was like, yeah, we'll go shoot. And then oh, something else came up, or oh, this and that, and, and I was just started getting annoyed, so I just kind of turned the camera around on myself. But, and that's kind of where it just kind of stopped. It's always just kind of been like a self-portrait thing, because I know yeah. I always just, you know, take photos of myself, unless you're, I could get other the people. available matter, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. But I do, I guess I should look into this other stuff, because it's, it is nice to shoot other subjects and things. You know, I just don't have that available to me right now. Yeah, I've done like a lot of like a lot of self portraits. I did a lot with myself and my daughter. Um, it, it's because like you're you're what's available. My daughter was available. My husband was available. So they're very prominent in a lot of the like just the single shots that are not like long based project shots. And like I said, all like you know strange images will come into my head, and I'll be like, I need to shoot this, and like I'm the I'm the only person available. I have one friend who I can drag into my studio every now and then <laughs> and I can shoot her. But I think about, I think about like Frida Kahlo, you know, she was 
the main subject of her artwork, uh, Francesca Woodman. She only uh, probably mostly shot herself, so it's a valid way to express your art and express yourself. So, Agreed. like some people can shoot other people, and you know, it's like it's just that's their path. Agreed. And I want to ask. I, I love your Superman shots. Oh, thank <laughs> you. <laughs> thank you very much. Um, and lastly, before uh, one of the last things I want to ask you is with your whole learning curve through photography and the, from going to school to photojournalism to fine art to um, what you're accomplishing now with the social media and the Flickr, what is one of your biggest learning curves that you've learned for other photographers out there to share with? Oh my gosh, biggest learning curve. Oh, now I gotta think. Hmm. You know, let's see. Because I mean, I started out in film, <laughs> so I run a like, huge gamut. The biggest learning curve right now is digital. Because I mean, I love the quality of film more than I love digital. But the access of digital is so much more prevalent, and I even toyed with like going back to film and scanning just the film itself to, you know, get everything on the internet. The hardest learning curve is the business side to me. And the best way to get around it is like networking, finding other people who know what they're doing and getting in the right groups. Um, through photojournalism, there's a national press photographers association. And I was a member of that, um, they have seminars where you can go, um, learn about freelancing, learn about copyright. Copyright's the hardest to me because you have to learn how to, like, you know, register your copyright. They switch it up every now and then. So, oh, gosh. There's, there's, the whole situation's a huge learning curve with photography. And that's what blows my mind with, like, you know, people are with their, just the iPhone does everything now. You don't even have to have, like, the knowledge of F-stops shutter speed ISO yeah that's it it surprises me on that I mean it doesn't really surprise me but it kind of does because you know when people ask me like oh you have any tips I'm like you need to learn look up what you know ISO shutter speed and after mm-hmm. is and you know a week later I'll ask him like no I didn't do that I'm like well okay fine don't ask me anything ever again <laughs> yeah. well I think the one thing and like you have good composition with your shots and I think that's the one thing that will make or break a photographer. Like, you know, you can have your close-up shots of your, you know, if you're doing self-portraits of your head or whatever. And there's people out there who do decent work with their phones. But at the same time, like, I'll look at the image and think, oh, you know, you, if you had this angle over here, your composition isn't working right. So I think the biggest thing if a person's wanting to get into photography that they need to do is study composition study what brings your eye into a photo and where's your focal point and you know how are you going to keep a person looking at this picture because i don't know if you've noticed like some pictures you just look at them for a second and you're like you've got all the information you move on and to me a good photograph doesn't do that it doesn't give you the information to move on it keeps you in there it gets you sucked in and you're like you can't look away from the photo so i think that's the hardest learning curve for anyone to learn that's a good point though that's a good point. All right. And lastly, Kat, I wanted to ask you, where can people find you on the internet? Um, well, my website that is really, really bad right now, and I totally need to put the rest of my images on, um, it's 
Kat McKay, K-A-T-M-C-K-A-Y.com. Um, I am mostly on Twitter, though. I'm on Twitter. I have a Facebook group, but, you know, on my Facebook group, I, I kind of like to put news stories about art. I haven't really posted about myself. I have an Instagram account. I never post on there because I've got this huge fear of Richard Prince coming along and stealing all my photos <laughs> and not being copyrighted. So I have not gone into the Instagram thing. And then, like, everyone's telling me, do you need to do this? And, like, but I, I'm afraid of it. <laughs> What's your Twitter handle? Uh, at Fine Art Cat. K A T, right? Yeah. F I N E A R T K A T. Awesome. Well, Kat, thank you so much for deciding to come on the show. I know it was like really out of the blue when I just randomly messaged you to come on here and talk. It was. I got so excited, though. I was telling everyone, Superman wants to talk to me. <laughs> Well, I appreciate you coming on and sharing your photography knowledge with everyone. I'm sure people will appreciate it um, because you've had a lot of experience with it. So thank you for sharing your insight on what you've learned so far. Oh, you're very welcome. And thanks for giving me a call. I appreciate it too. <laughs> you're welcome. I hope you have a good rest of the day, Kat. Thanks. You too. <laughs> Bye. Well, folks, that was Kat McKay. You can find her on Twitter at Fine Art Cat, Cat with a K. As always, thank you for tuning in and for hearing another perspective. I'll see you in the next episode.